morning, Nathan. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. We really wanted to get BSI involved in this. So let's talk about how BSI are coping during COVID-19. How are BSI finding companies reacting to COVID-19 in terms of, you know, types of the new companies asking for testing? Well, we've seen a massive increase in our PPE testing and certification services over the last sort of three months or so. Um, we've seen sort of everything from traditional manufacturers bringing in uh, new and adaptive products uh, for use by healthcare professionals under the COVID-19 um, scenario. And we've also seen a lot of new manufacturers coming onto the market. Um, these are including people from the Far East bringing in things like face masks. And we've also seen people that we would never normally be dealing with, such as uh, academic um, colleges and universities producing things like face screens. So we've seen a massive, really wide spectrum of new type of uh, manufacturers coming in uh, to produce PPE for uh, healthcare professionals. So I just want to ask you for a, for a differential, if that's all right. So COVID-19 certificates versus full PPE regulation, what's the difference between these two? So we are issuing out um, things like Module B certificates for products uh, under the PPE regulation and for new manufacturers that are making complex PPE, we're issuing out Module C2 for ongoing surveillance through, through product testing. Um, we have made some caveats within the certifications that we are issuing in that we do um, restrict them for the use by healthcare professionals as per the recommendation 403. And we've also put a limited um, validity of the certificates for 12 months, as opposed to the normal three, uh, five years that'll be on, on the normal Module B type certificate. So that's the kind of changes that we have made to those types of certifications that we've been issuing from BSI. So what type of work is BSI doing for the COVID-19 situation? So let's talk about things like the type of products, technical specifications or certifications. Okay, so I think the main product areas that we've been dealing with are um, face masks, um, face shields, and also medical clothing and gowns. We haven't seen a great deal in the way of gloves. Um, we are a notified body for gloves, but we haven't seen a great deal. I think one of the reasons is that the glove industry is pretty well much geared up for high volume manufacturing anyway. Um, and if you go into a hospital environment, people are changing gloves all over the place. So they're probably better stated for the, um, uh, you know, for, for the rapid turnaround that's been required. Um, what we have done is we, at the beginning of this pandemic, is we did come up with some technical specifications uh, based on standards like EM166 for the face shields and EM149 for the face masks. What we did do is we stripped off all the industrial type applications within those standards and we put those on our website as technical specifications that we'll be happy to to certify to. So we've seen a lot of work going to our laboratories internally, uh, testing a lot of face masks and face shields. And we've also been working with some of our partner subcontracting labs for the um, issuing out and the, the testing of um, clothing and gowns. And then from a certification perspective, we've been doing a lot of Module B and Module C2 certificates under the PPE reg uh, for those products uh, to show that they meet the essential health and safety requirements of the regulation. So it's not very often we get to talk to people involved in uh, testing and standards. So 
what are the typical issues that you come across with new products that enter the market? So, you know, for example, typical failures of various products or the biggest challenges for new manufacturers? I think the biggest challenges so far have been with the face masks is the filter penetration. Um, so we've been incorporating paraffin oil penetration, which is um, quite, you know, quite an arduous test for uh, face masks to go through and we've been seeing around about an 80 85 percent failure rate uh, with some of the masks that we've been seeing coming through so i think that's been probably one of the key challenges for the face masks that uh, that have been coming through with regards to the face screens um the failure rate is around about 25 26 percent and one of the predominant failure reasons for that is the lateral protection area um, and the area coverage so we've incorporated within our technical specification liquid splash, which means you have to have a certain rectangle uh, covered within the, um, you know, by the face screen. And we're finding quite a high number of those are failing at uh, those types of clauses. So uh, I suppose for each product that we're testing internally, that's probably the key failure rate that we're getting there. Now, I work, know you work closely with the British Safety Industry Federation, as do we. And one of the big things that they pushed out and we've supported is there concerns about fake certificates or just non-compliant PPE getting into the market? And Alan Murray, the CEO over there, said on a webinar we did, that since the start of the year, over 20,000 companies, more than 20,000 companies have been created in China, they've got the word mask in their name. Huge concern, I'm sure, for you as well. So when we talk about this industry issue, such as fake certificates, how do you verify a fake certificate? It's the first question I thought for you. And, and what do you do if someone suspects the certificate is fake? Yeah, so, I mean, we saw an awful high number, um, certainly towards the beginning of April, end of March. We were seeing dozens upon dozens a day of um, counterfeit certificates. Some were very good and very difficult to spot. Other ones were quite obvious. Um, some were using our name in their own kind of rights and um, sort of playing on our sort of intellectual property. So we were seeing literally hundreds, you know, hundreds and hundreds of certificates at the beginning of this pandemic of people using BSI certificates. And one of the problems is that a lot of manufacturers do put these out on the websites. So if you go to a manufacturer's, they'll have as you know, part of their website, um, copies of certificates to prove that those products have met the, um, you know, met, met the requirements of the PPE regulation. And people are downloading those and altering them, uh, altering test reports and all sorts of things. So we had absolutely inundated with the certificates. Now for a BSI certificate, there are a number of different ways that you can check to see if it's valid. Um, the first way is if they give, uh, all our certificates are electronic and at the footer there is a blue, you can check this online um, type hyperlink within the PDF version. And if you click on that one, it should take you straight away to a BSI website and then that should give you the name of the address of the certificate holder and when it was issued and when it's valid too. And that's a good way of checking to see whether that, um, that certificate is valid. What we do find is because some of the certificates have been scanned, that hyperlink doesn't work. So we have a, um, a thing called Verify on the BSI website, and you can put the CE certificate number in there, and that again will give you the provide you with the details as to who the certificate holder is, when it was issued, and when it's valid too. 
if you're still struggling with those two routes, then you can send an email to our customer services and we can have a look at it internally if there's no joy there. Um, so there's basically three routes that you can you know, validate whether a certificate's valid or not. Um, I think if a certificate's not valid, um, we, we don't physically police the system, although we are actively pursuing a lot of these fraudulent certificates, um, both from our UK office and also our other offices throughout the world. But I think if you are presented with a, uh, a fake certificate, it's basically a big no-no. Um, so walk away from the offer um, that's been provided. You've done your due diligence. And I would suggest that you do this due diligence before making any commercial transaction. Um, don't wait until you've got those masks or face shields or whatever it is in, the, in, in your warehouse. Um, make sure that they, you, know, you do your due, due diligence up front. So what's the industry doing to help promote this concern i know the bsif the british safety industry federations we talked about earlier have got their registered safety supplier scheme but what else is the industry doing to um raise more awareness about this i think basically what we're looking for is um is trying to make people aware that there are these fake certificates being circulated and showing people what the tools are to validate those certificates um, as I say, there's been a lot of people that have entered the PPE industry uh, with no previous background and, and, and no sort of pedigree, as it were. Um, so it's really sort of making sure people are aware of the tools that they can use and uh, make sure that, you know, if they're making any purchases, they're making it in good faith and that any certifications are valid. Um, and do you do, 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 do diligence up front and do that first? Don't, you know, sort of buy in haste, repent at leisure kind of thing. So if we talk about the PPE sector as a whole now. How do you see the PPE industry moving forward short term and more in the longer term? What's the new normal going to be with PPE in your opinion? Uh, I think there's going to be a big change. I think one of the things that we are going to see is the things of uh, like the use of face masks a lot more common uh, generally. Uh, so we're going to be walking around and you know people are going to be wearing face masks in the street. There is a SEN project at the moment where they're looking to make public face coverings as a um, specification and outlaying some pass-fail criteria. I mean, even though these types of products aren't technically PPE or medical devices, um, they are coming up with some form of standardization to cover those types of products. Uh, and each member, uh, member states are coming up with quite a bit as well. So the Germans have got a specification as well as the French and there's a few others scattered around Europe. Um, so public face coverings are probably going to be um, a lot more sort of prevalent uh, going forwards. And even though they're not technically classed as personal protective equipment, I think they're probably going to be the go-to industry that does sort of supply those and, and, and monitor those um, as, as an industry. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more in the way of healthcare type PPE. Um, so you're looking at things like facials that don't necessarily offer mechanical protection because that's not a risk in those types of environments. Um, so we're going to probably see a lot more in the way of um, PPE that's designed for healthcare professionals going forward. So I think we're in a bit of a, um, a sort of crossroads here where we're going to see not only just the industrial applications being um, processed as normal, but I think we're going to see a lot more avenues or other type of standards being written uh, to cover other areas that don't currently uh, have PPE or any type of personal protection equipment in its uh, normal day-to-day -day life. What about the impact of the removal of temporary fast tracking of PPE? 
I think the fast tracking is almost coming to the end of its life in that, you know, um, the crises that we had at the beginning of April, the end of March, um, it's still not brilliant and it's a little bit hand by mouth, but at least there is a supply coming in. Um, so I think perhaps the 403 may have, you know, sort of done its job. How long it goes on for, I don't know. Um, but I, I think it was the fix that was needed in the short term. And it, as I say, it seems to have made a, you know, a massive dent. We have been sort of dealing with the um, military at Daventry and sort of, um, you know, sort of hearing how they're getting on with being able to supply. And it's almost like, I suppose at the moment, it almost a just-in-time type approach in that they've, you know, there's enough to go, but uh, there's certainly some mileage in, in carrying out the fast track process for, you know, a couple of months longer, certainly. And just closing out, if people want to get in touch with you, you've got any questions or any concerns, what's the best way to get in touch with BSI? Yeah, so we've got a website. Um, we've got the product.certification at bsigroup.com email, um, which you can email some uh, you know, questions about. Uh, we have a vast number of collateral on the BSI website for COVID-19 technical specifications and also, you know, the traditional PPE type um, certifications that we offer. Um, so we have a, a vast amount of information on there. You can leave messages on there, which will get picked up. Um, so, yeah, visit the BSI website and you can, uh, you can uh, pursue any further questions you have on there. Nathan, thanks for joining us today. Really, really appreciate it. It was a great insight. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks.